Welcome, and thank you for stopping by Biker Church, Wally, Texas. Let's go on in and see what Charlie Mullen has to teach us today. God, we come to you tonight humble and asking for your approval, Father. Father, asking you for a spirit of praise, Father. Asking you for a spirit of worship, Father. Father, I ask that you bless this service tonight, Father. Father, bless my tongue so that your words and none of me, Father. Father, I ask that you bless this offering we're about to take up and let it be used to continue your work in your kingdom, Father. Father, it's all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. So I went and saw a pastor this morning. We went and visited a church, and I heard a pastor say that even a pastor needs to confess what's on his heart every once in a while. So I'm going to tell you all something. A wife who possibly has autoimmune disease. I got a mother who's got brain cancer. I got a daughter who possibly has cancer eating her body alive right now. I'm in debt up to my eyeballs, but you know what? I got a God who loves me. And I got a warrior king coming back for me, just like that song right there says. So I'm not going to get down. I'm not going to get upset. I'm going to go to war. I'm going to go to war, and I got God on my side, and my war, and, and my, my means of fighting is going to be my prayer life, and I'm going to do everything I can to take everybody that the devil has taken away from me, and I'm going to get another one and replace them with it from the right out of his hands. I've told y'all before, I don't want a cute little church sitting on top of a hill somewhere. I want a church that sits six feet outside of the gate of hell where when they're on their way to meet the devil, I can snatch them out of his grasp because I'm tired of the devil snatching things out of my grasp. I'm tired of watching parents with their hearts broke. I'm tired of watching... Children with their hearts broke because they lost a parent or a grandparent that they didn't know that they know that they know. So I have a mission in my life now. Everybody that comes in contact with me will know that they know that they know. They're especially going to know that I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. And that there is no fear in death. But I'm scared to death about some of these people dying. I know my mother's saved. She's a good God-fearing woman. I know my wife is saved, but i got to work on my kids. My kids were there for me in the worst parts of my life. My daughter cleaned me up. Y'all know about Aubrey. She was my hero. I got Stacy up there who I neglected, who I ran around, and I didn't do anything. And I, recept, I accept responsibility to that, but I also accept the challenge that has been laid before me by my commander-in-chief. And no, he ain't in Washington. And no, he don't sit in no Oval Office. My commander-in-chief that commands me rides a throne all day long, every day. He doesn't need to have me dispatched somewhere. He just sends me. Because he asked me a long time ago, whom shall I send? And I stood up and said, me. That's, that's not my sermon. Those are the announcements. Um, can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah? Can I get an amen? amen? You may be seated. I've been telling God all day, man, back up. <laughs> back up, my flesh needs some room to be me. God said, your flesh is never going to be you again. <laughs> I think it's absolutely absurd that I could argue with my creator. My father once told me, I brought you into this world and I will take you out. My heavenly father is actually who brought me into this world. And he can put me anywhere he wants me. I am but one small piece of a huge puzzle. But let me tell you something. I, when I get to heaven, want to be a highly decorated puzzle piece. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to the Word. So, the Israelites are sitting on the edge of the promised land. Woo, how'd you like to be there? How many people believe you are sitting on the edge of the promised land? All you have to do is wade a little water and beat a few giants, and it's all yours. God told the Israelites already that I am going to give this land to you. All you have to do is go get it. 
But they, but they, yeah, but there's giants out there, and they think we look like grasshoppers. I don't look like a grasshopper. I might get Dave up here. He's skinnier than I am, you know. Got longer legs. Still don't look like a grasshopper. I'd like to think that nobody looks at me and thinks, I think the last thing anybody would look at me, even a giant would look at me and think grasshopper. My point is, these people saw God. They saw the presence of God. But yet, when he told them to do something, they said, man, we kind of worried. He said, okay, if you're worried, then send some people over there to go look and see if I'm not right. So they sent people over there, and they were going 40 days. And when they come back, they come back bringing a few grapes, and they come back bringing some pretty good stories. Let's find out about these stories. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them that the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. When we went into the land to which you sent us, it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people, ooh, hey, wait a minute. So they brought back proof that there was milk and honey. Now, how many times has God told us what you, everything you need is right there? All you have to do is go get it. How many times has he told us that? Everything you need in your life is sent right there. It's there. All you have to do is wade some water and go take it. But how many times do our, does our flesh say, yeah, but... There's always a big butt somewhere, and it's not attached to me. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, and the Am Amalekites, and the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. We've all got that one person in our life, right? You've got somebody out there laying out the but, 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 but. It's, oh, yeah, all the milk and honey is there, but, but, but. And you got that one guy, I wouldn't know who that would be in this room, that said, hey, yeah, but let's just go. Let's just go. Let's just go and see what God does. Let's just go and see how he reacts. Let's just go. And the majority of the time, your flesh likes to speak up. But the man who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. Imagine how God felt right about there. I will hand, you, oh, I will hand these people over to you, and you will take their land. He didn't say if you go fight well. He didn't say if you pray enough. He, didn't say, he told them, all you got to do is go get it. I would like to think that if I was standing behind you and told you there is a $100 bill taped underneath that chair in there, but Dale is in there sitting on it, and he got a gun. I, but I got you. I'm not going to let Dale hurt you. I'm going to keep Dale off of you. I got a feeling that most of y'all would get hurt trampling over the top of each other trying to get to that $100 bill taped underneath that chair. Even though Dale's got a gun. Why would you do that when somebody says, I got your back, but you won't do it when God says, I got your back? I ain't preaching to you now. Y'all know that, right? This is my God lecturing me, and I am spitting out his words that he's shooting into my head because he's been on me all day. If you don't believe me, I can tell you about this little piece of paper right there that says... Well, let me, let, me, let me finish here. Let me finish here. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it, and the people there, the descendants of Anak, came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Woo, our own eyes. What happens when you see you through fleshly eyes? I can tell you what happens, because I've been going through it. You're not worthy of it. You don't deserve it. And you know what? You're not. And you don't deserve it. We're not worthy to even 
unbuckle Jesus' sandals, much less wash his feet. But guess what? Because of him, we've got every chance in the world. That, that Even the same that he had, because he said we will do acts even greater than them. So, what do you do? It's a kind of shame that these people, you know, they, we got the Bible to read. We go further on in that Bible, and I found out what to do when you run into a land of giants. Go find you a David. Because that them giants don't know it yet. But they're going to be scared of David. I've read the book. I know what happens to giants when they get around David. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the land of the giants. I'm going to claim the land that God gives me. I'm going to do what he says. But I'm taking an army of Davids with me. I'm taking an army of giant killers with me. Because God called me a giant killer. And I'm going to tell you something today. This is what I wrote down while we're sitting in that church service. I wrote, when walking into a land of giants, build an army of Davids. We go to lunch. I didn't show this to anybody. Just wrote it down while we were in church, stuck it in my pocket. While we're at lunch, I'm at lunch with a wonderful couple. I just, uh, John and Diane. Diane says, you, she said, I call you a David or something like that. I don't know how it freaked me out because I pulled the piece of paper out of my pocket and tossed it over to Diane and said, read that. When you are afraid of walking amongst giants and God tells you be a David and then one of the people that you look up to in this world looks across from you from the table and said, I see you like a David, how much more confirmation do you need that sooner or later you're going to be fighting giants? Does anybody know how many giants David killed? Does anybody know why he picked up five stones? He had four brothers. He wasn't worried about Goliath. He wasn't worried about them brothers. He was worried about not, about not doing, somebody say, what God said. When God tells you to do it. How many people here wear Nikes? Got that just do it? I think that's a perfect slogan for today's church. When God says blank, whatever, just do it. Just step out. Just go. Because here's the thing, how long, how much time, praise God, how much time did the Israelite army waste waiting on somebody to defeat Goliath? One man, one man. Well, no, the, the Israelites waited on a man. Goliath wasn't superhuman. They had God, God said, if you will go, what they should have done first was when God said, go in there and take everybody they should have taken everybody. And remember last week, I think I preached on compromise. When you compromise and go halfway with what God told you to do, it leaves giants in your kingdom. And you will fight them. Think about how much different the world today would be if the, Jew, if the Israelites had not compromised their faith and had done everything God told them to do. I don't think we'd have any news on today after what's been going on over there the last couple of weeks. I don't think the news would even have anything to report. It would sure be, it sure wouldn't look like a land of rubble overseas. It sure wouldn't be as much fighting going on as what they were. We sure, I really don't think we'd have half the sickness and stuff that we have today. But that's just me. I'm not blaming it on a people. I'm blaming it on God's people for not being brave enough and faithful enough to do what God said. Because my God told me, when around giants, be like your ancestor David. Guys, you come from a line. You're an inherit you have the same inheritance Jesus has, right? Jesus was a descendant of David did. You come from a land of you come from a line of giant killers. Why are you letting giants line up in your life? When they come to you, remind them who they are. But best of all, show them who you are. When giants come into your life, don't say nothing. Just walk to the edge of the river and start picking up stones. <laughs> Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When this giant hits the ground, I'm going to cut his head off, and I'm going to make bread out of his bones. You hear me? I don't get goosebumps when I preach very much. But I told y'all a couple of weeks ago, when something goes wrong in my life, I used to have a battle cry, and it wasn't very pretty. It made 
school kids and teachers and nuns blush. But I have a new war cry. Every time something goes wrong in my life, every time I don't hear what my flesh wants to hear, every time my God says go and I stumble when on the way out the gate, I'm going to holler hallelujah. Because what it is is another chance for my God who is a show off. Come on, man. Come on. You ever seen a peacock? Have y'all ever seen Diane's horse? Come on, man. Y'all ever seen what this world looks like before man junks it up? My God's a show-off, man. And what does he want to do in your life? He wants to let you show off a little bit. I'm not doing this because of me. You think I'm qualified to get up here and do this? I'm qualified because my God rides around on my shoulder telling me, go that way, don't do this, go that way, don't do that, go this way, go do that. And that right there is why our children have to have God in their life. Our children have to have parents in the home. Aren't you guys out running around with your buddies on Saturday afternoon playing golf may be what you think you need to be doing. But with that woman is sitting at home trying to raise them kids on her own because you got hobbies and you work hard. Let me tell you something. If you would work half as hard, I'm talking to me, raising them kids as you would trying to impress that boss, you wouldn't have to worry about what your kids are doing after 10 o'clock at night. You wouldn't have to worry about your kids being home. Let me tell you something. I was that dad. I was that dad who wasn't a father. I was whatever I was doing at the time. It was more, if I don't go to work and I don't make money, you kids don't eat. You know what? My kids are going to eat. Whether I'm working at stop and go or whether I'm making a million dollars a year, my kids are going to eat because I serve a loving God who said not even the sparrow has to worry about where he's going to lay his head or what he's going to eat. He will provide. He will give me everything I need to get his job. Somebody say his job. So what job are we supposed to be doing? No, if it feels good, do it, brother. That's the way the world says if it feels real good, do it twice. And if it felt really good doing it twice, invite somebody else into it. And that, that's, not what, that's not what the Word says. The Word says do it my way or suffer the consequences. The consequences of not doing God's will. Somebody want to ask that rich man who went to hell and begged for one little, I mean, a touch of water and couldn't get it, guys? I was hot today. I was sitting in a house that the air conditioner was broke on begging for a drink of water, and I could get one, and I still wasn't happy. I don't want to be nowhere near. I live in Texas. I should be aware of how hot hell should be. I've been in West Texas in the summertime. I've been in Houston in the summertime. And I even said when I was in Houston, hell is hot, but is it this humid? <laughs> I heard it's a dry heat. <laughs> Don't worry about loving what you do. Love who you are. God's, come on, man. God had glory at his fingertips. He had beings that their sole job was to worship him. And he made little ants like us. And what do we do? I didn't get to hit the lottery this month and I got an electric bill due and God doesn't love me because I'm not worthy and Jesus died for nothing. That's what you're saying. You might as well scream that out the car window every time you doubt God or tell yourself you're not worthy of God's love. Look up to heaven, throw everything you own out in the ground, set it on fire and yell, Jesus died for nothing. Because that's what you're doing when you say, that you're not worthy of what God has to give you. Guys, God gave us the earth. And we messed it up. I'm not talking about pollution. I'm not talking about, he gave us the garden to walk in and be together in and be fruitful in and multiply in. And there wasn't going to be any sickness. And we would be talking to Adam and Eve today because they would still be on the earth. There wasn't going to be any death. There wasn't going to be any sickness. All we were created for was to walk with him in the cool of the day. You were made. How many times? All you have to do is what? You were never intended to suffer. You were never intended to have to get up and go to work every day. Money is a God-made thing. Everything was there. You didn't have to worry about what kind of boots you wore. You had no boots. Think about Think about how easy Adam had it. 
The wife was naked all the time. Come on, man. You had to get out of eight pants. What's well, so ask my wife? First thing I do when I get home, ask Ken. Kim comes to my house. Ken texts me on the way home. I'm on the way over there. Can you put on pants? I, guns don't wear pants when he gets home. That's it. They're off. Sit around the house in my drawers. That's my prerogative. My castle, my kingdom. God said I could do what I wanted to in there. I'm going to do what I want to in there. But you think about not having to wear nothing. and you didn't, Nobody said anything about hot summers. Nobody said anything about cold winters. Nobody said about I got to move down south during the wintertime, move up north during the summertime because it's cold up there and hot down here. Nobody said anything about that. They walked with God every day. Come on, man. If you're walking right now, we say today, well, if God would just touch me, and we, humans couldn't even get it right with God in their presence. How are we going to do it with God as a spirit? I had one, I had one rule, and they broke it. I think it's kind of funny that God led me there since that's where, I forget his name now, where the pastor went this morning, James. James went there this morning. God took me right down the same path the whole time he was talking. Uh, or Jason, yeah. I think it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Here's the thing. If you mess up, and this is what I tell people at work all the time when they make a mistake. and like, man, what am I going to do? The boss is going to be mad. I said, own it. Confess it to him that you did it and own it and don't do it again. He said something this morning about when you throw up, it makes you feel better. But what do you got to do? You want to leave it in the middle of the floor and play with it? You do it with your sin. You get up here at these altars. And you throw it up, and you hand it over to God, and now it's junk laying in the floor. But before you leave the altar, you say, well, I might want that later. Let's put that in my pocket. It says you will go back to your sin like a dog does its vomit. How many of y'all ever throwed up and played in it? That's what we do. We give our sin to God and then carry a little piece off with it and stick it in our pocket. So when we're off in our cave by ourselves, we can do that. Well, let me tell you about that cave. When you get in that cave... You start bringing your toys in that cave with you. Because God don't go in that cave. That's your cave. That's where you like to play with your toys. And the next thing you know, you got your little fishing buddy that your wife don't know about, and she's in the cave with you. And what? And here's the thing. The more crud you drag in your cave with you, what do you, what do you have to do? you got to back up further in the cave because you got too much stuff in the cave. And pretty soon you're so far back in the cave that when you when you cry out, who hears you? Your family don't hear you because you're too far back there. Your friends don't hear you because they don't know about the cave. The only one that can hear you is God. But here's what you have to do. You have to get the junk out of your cave so you can walk out of it. And that's what he was telling the Israelites you can do. You are coming out of bondage and slavery. And you went in the wilderness to learn. Come on, I'm going to try to tell you something here. When you were in the world, you were in bondage. You're tied to your addictions. You're tired. You're tied. You tied to porn. You tried to. You tied. You, you tied to. You, you bound to drugs. You're bound to prostitutes. You're bound to cheating on your husband. You're bound to not liking your kids. You're, whatever it is, gambling. When you come out of that and you leave it, you didn't hear about anybody hauling hauling stuff from Egypt with them, did you? They hauled the riches off with them. They were here. And let me tell you what happened. They didn't go plunder. They didn't go rob. They told them, here, take this and go. Get away from us so God will stop punishing us for what you have done. Think about that next time you feel like somebody's on you. They didn't rise up. God said, you know what? It's time. And when God tells you it's time, you leave all of Egypt behind you and you step into the wilderness where you get to learn. But what happens when you're in the wilderness and you have to take a step back? Where do you go? I'm telling you right now, run it hard and fast as you can to that river. And as soon as God says go across it, don't you worry about them giants on the other side. Because God's got them giants on the other side. How many of y'all ever heard me the way I used to preach? The weather would get bad or something out there, and I said, don't worry about this. I got this. I ain't got nothing. I got a beat-up body full of flesh that don't know Jesus from Jack Daniels. But what God did is he gave me, a, he didn't come live. You know, everybody says, let, God, let Jesus come live in your heart. Jesus don't want your old crusty heart. The Bible says he will come and give you a new heart that beats only for him. 
But what you do is you pick up that some of that vomit and you sprinkle it over the top of that brand new heart. And now Jesus got to clean you up again. Come on, guys. When are we going to get it? When are we going to get it that if we will cross over into the land of milk and honey, if we mess up then, all we do is go back to the desert and learn? We're not in bondage. We're in the desert where God took care of every need they had. They didn't give them everything they wanted. Y'all have heard me say it before. I tell my wife before we go on a motorcycle trip, she'll say, can I take this? No. Can I take that? No. Well, I just can't take nothing. You can fit everything you need in a saddlebag and a tour pack on a Harley Davidson. I can promise you that. You may not be able to get everything you want, but you can get everything you need. And that's what God is wanting you to learn. He will give you everything you need in life. You may not get everything you want because sometimes what you want is not good for you. Sometimes what you want, you're not ready for. You know how long I have wanted a great big huge ministry? You know how long I have wanted to be able to tell thousands upon thousands upon thousands about Jesus? Didn't do it because God said I wasn't ready. I thought I didn't try. But God sometimes puts his hands on you and he holds you back. And what you have to be ready for, man, come on. Anybody ever watch bull riding? You get up there, anybody in here ever rode a bull? Woo, come on, you ain't never felt nothing like it in the entire world, man. Ain't no power like that. That thing is alive and you're on it and all it wants is you off of it. And you sit in that chute and it ripples and it breathes and it bows up underneath you just like what the word of God does. And it, it, you can feel it because it's alive. And you stand on it. And then you ease down into it. And you start to learn about it a little bit. And then when you think you're ready, you look over at that man with a rope in his hand, you shake your head. When he pulls that gate open, you weren't ready. I'll tell you right now, you weren't. There's some guys out there that might have been ready, but I wasn't ready. Because I hit the man, I'm fat and I hit the ground hard. Hard. And just like the world, when I got up, here it come again. Boom, pap. I did a cartwheel and hit the ground so hard. Anybody remember them little belts, the Western belts, that they were black and they had the little silver braid around the edge of it? You want to know how everybody knew I was wearing one of those? Because it was bruised on my back. I hit the ground so hard. But let me tell you what happens. If you try to open that gate before God says you're ready, you'll be sporting some bruises. You'll be sporting some broken dreams. You'll ruin what God has given you if you don't. I mean, just let him open the gate. Let him. Ooh, I heard a song a while ago called Open the Floodgates. I don't want him to open the floodgates till he knows I'm ready for him to open the floodgates. But here's what you need to know. When it comes to blessings, that's what God has in store for you. All it takes is, I know y'all are going to hate this word. All it takes is not compromising and being obedient to what the word of God says. Because he didn't say these things I recommend to you. He said, he didn't say these are the things I ask of you. I really think they don't, call, they don't call it the 10 recommendations, do they? And what Jesus told us is not called the biggest or the greatest suggestion of all time, right? Guys, we have been commissioned and commanded by our Lord and Savior to love each other and be there for each other no matter what. John can sit back there and call me a great big old poo-poo head anytime he wants to. Guess what? I still love John. Me and my big poo-poo head, we love John. And I'm going to rub my poo-poo head self all over him because I love him. God says I have to. My wife, I love her because God gave her to me. I don't have to like her all the time. When I do something wrong and she corrects me on it, I don't like her very much. But I love her because God gave her to me. And this is what you need to understand. When God gives you something, like his blood, son's blood, oops, did I say that? Can I say that back here? I'm in front of the pulpit. I can say what I want to. You can't preach. Y'all didn't know that? You can't, you, can't, you can't stand back here and preach obedience. You can't stand back here and preach that you'll go to hell if you don't do, if you don't do what God says to do. Without Christ in your life, you're going to go to hell. Oh, I, see, I got to stand out here if I'm going to say that because you can't use the pulpit to promote heaven. Well, that's what preachers say nowadays. You got to make everybody happy. God knows, and everybody knows I worry about pleasing people. I'm a people pleaser. Anybody out there believe that? 
Somebody say, that's bull. Because it is. I wor- Here's the thing. You know God has a say-so in my life because my flesh is not capable of giving two smarties about you. It's not. I, have a, I used to have a switch in my system that I could turn you off and not care whether or not you ever breathed another breath in my presence again. And now, if I don't see you for a couple of days, I start getting worried about you. I'm not going to say I like it. It was a lot easier when I was hard-headed and stubborn and listened to my flesh and did what I wanted to do. But I gave my... Here's the thing. This is what people keep forgetting. One day, whether you remember it or not, you step to the front of a church or you got on your knees in a bathroom or you cried out to God from a hotel room somewhere and you said, if you will love me back, I will accept you, accept Christ as my Savior, and I will live for you. And then what happens the first time it starts raining? When God says, I will be your umbrella, or this rain is your blessing, stand in the rain, how long does your flesh want you standing in that rain? And you want me to prove it to you? How many people in here know after Jesus ascended into heaven, what did Peter say? I'm going to go fishing. How many of us do it? How many of us go back to what we were doing because it's normal and our flesh is used to it and we don't know anything? Jesus said, Terry, here. Don't you move. You stay here till you get the anointing. And then Jesus disappeared for a little while. Wasn't gone because now he's ever saved. Everybody says Jesus died for our sins. Jesus had to die for our sins, yes. But come on, man, he went from being one place in time in the world to being everywhere at once. Come on, man. Y'all remember that. If I die, I can watch over you. Actually, I mean, you know what? I ain't going to worry about none of y'all when I die. I will be on my knees in front of my king. <laughs> I'm so mad at Gary. Oh, we passed D's cross out there today. And my wife said, oh, I love these so much. And I went, they're getting to do what I want to do, man. That's like when I was a kid, everybody got to go to Disneyland. I didn't get to go, but I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to heaven. And I'm going to look at, you know what I probably have to do? Because I didn't do everything Gary told me to do. He'll probably make me clean his black marks off the street because JR says we all get new go wings. And Gary liked to do burnouts. So Gary's going to be doing burnouts up down the street to go. I don't think so. I don't think Gary's worried about what kind of motorcycle he rides anymore. I think my I think my brother and one of my best friends in the whole world and one of the godliest men I knew. You want to talk about complete surrender? You want to talk about somebody who could care less what you thought of him? He worried about what his king thought. And I'm going to be honest with you. Everybody says, man, Gary wrecked his motorcycle and died. Gary's spirit was nowhere on him when that motorcycle hit that ditch an empty shell of a man, because and I truly believe this. I truly believe when Gary was riding that motorcycle that day, he was praising his God, and Jesus said, I've heard about all I want to hear about that from earth. I want to hear some of it up here. And he plucked my brother out of that body, and he brought him straight up to him, and Gary looked down and said, hey, I got both feet. I say it about priesthood pops too. You talking about a man so close to God, he's already got one foot in heaven. Gary's foot showed him around up there. <laughs> I'm envious. Go mourn the dead, especially if you know they were one of God's children. When I die, y'all better party. I told my wife, we've been to way too many funerals here lately. We've spent way too much time worrying about the dead. When I die, four and a half minutes and y'all go eat. That y'all, y'all all knew guns. He was a little bit of a butthole, but he loved every one of you. Now go eat. And throw me in the crowd. That ain't me. Chunk me in a dumpster out. But chunk that corpse in a dumpster out back somewhere, man. Because I'm going to tell you something. Y'all can stand out here and cry over me all you want to. I ain't going to be worried about y'all. I got a Lord and Savior up there waiting on me. And I'm going to tell you what I'm working on. I'm working on that, 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 that throne. I'm working because I, I know, uh, you know what? I can, be all, I can be all that on earth, but I'm going to be the least in heaven. So I'm going to work on being the least on earth because this, this, this life ain't about me. 
This life is about what I can do for God while I'm here. This life is about what I do when God says, come on. When God says fish over here, because Peter went fishing, and what did he catch? Let your ministry get away from God just a little bit and see how many people you catch. But Jesus said, I'm standing right here. Now you see me. And what did Peter do? Peter jumped out the boat. He jumped out the boat and swam to him. And he said, hey, man, won't y'all fish over there? And they did what God told them to do. And what did they do? They had to drag that boat in because of the net wouldn't fit. I'm telling you, man, when God tells you that where you're fishing at right now is not where you need to be, you need to go over there, quit ask, quit telling him how comfortable you are right here and throw the nets on the other side of the boat and see what happens. That boat wasn't made for the nets to be on that side. He said, throw the nets on the starboard side. Obviously, they weren't fishing on the starboard side or they would have been catching fish according to what Jesus said. But he said, throw, them, throw the nets on the other side, which obviously didn't make sense to them, but they did it anyway. And they caught, see, come on, man. If you'll just trust in him, if you'll just believe what he says, if you will just honor the commitment that you made the day that you put your knees on the ground up here at this altar and you laid all your junk out for God to see, and before, I'm telling you, man, step back and let, you know, what did that pastor say this morning? When the, when the chains fall off of you, you have to step out of them. Because trust me, how many people have stood around the extension cords, things like that? When you, un, when you roll an extension cord up, if you don't step away from it, what's the first thing going to happen to you when you take a step? You're going to trip and stumble. And I'm going to tell you right now, my worst fear that is on y'all's rocket ride to heaven when y'all are sprinting for the finish line I'm scared to death I'm going to be a block and you're going to fall. So I'm going to do everything I can to run the race the way God wants me to run it. And I'm going to go and try to do my best to go in a straight line because his way is straight and narrow. I remember all the bikers used to say, well, man, that explains why there's a highway to hell and a stairway to heaven. It ain't easy getting to heaven. You know what? But is it really that hard? If you give up on what the world thinks of you, how many people in here thought Jesus gave two patooties what the Pharisees thought of him? He didn't care what anybody thought of him. If you don't like what I have to say, I can kick, I can kick your dust off my sandals and go on to the next town. And you think that, the, and here's the thing, everybody says, well, every time I start to do something, it always seems like somebody has something to say about it. Guys, read the Bible. In the New Testament, every time Jesus spoke, Every time he healed the sick, every time he created a miracle, the devil's little minions were right there to say, well, this isn't right. You did it on the wrong day. You know what? If God kicks cancer out of my body, Dave, did you care what day of the week he kicked cancer out of your body? What day was it? He don't know. It's the day he got healed is what happened. It's the day Dave Douthy got picked up off his mat and rolled it up and stuck it under his arm and started marching for Jesus. I'm telling you right now, every one of us has a mat rolled up under our arm, but some of us drag it behind us. And all we have to do is lay down on it when we get tired. And get off that mat. Get rid of that mat. Jesus never said carry your mat around. He said get it and walk off. God will change everything about you except for what you hold back from him. I used to think, man, everybody, everybody's going to forget who I am. My daddy told me my whole life, be, care be careful of building a reputation that you'll have to defend one day. And you know what? Everybody wants a piece. I can promise you that. When you think you're big and bad, there's always somebody out there younger. There's always somebody out there faster. There's always somebody out there meaner. And yeah, I met him. I met him. Spent a few hours in an ER. <laughs> and God said, where are you at now? Probably really shouldn't say this, but really what God told me is, where was all them people you called brother? Where was all them when my child was knocked to the ground? Where was all them when you were in pain? Where were all them when you were suffering? You know who was there? God's people who surrounded me all day. The people who I thought would never approve of what I was doing, they would never show up. I was done with them. Well, nothing in the world could happen that they were going to approve of, and every one of them showed up and stood around me, and that showed me who my family was. 
Nobody approved of what I was doing. I didn't even approve of what I was doing. It's called shame. And shame will make, see, but shame is a lie straight out of hell. It's hard to be ashamed of something that you were supposed to have dropped out of your life. How am I supposed to be ashamed of my past when I don't live there anymore? Man, I'm going to tell you something, man. I went from being a thug for the devil to kicking him in the teeth every time I get up off the couch. I want to hear the ag every time one of my people from this church gets. Here's what I want for your life. I want every time one of you moves, wiggles an eye during REM sleep, I want for some little minion to have to run and go tell the devil they're getting up, they're moving. And the devil's going to tell them, well, get out of there, because if not, they'll cast you out. I want the devil. Man, come on, guys. Do you know how scared the enemies of the Israelites were when, when Goliath hit the ground? Show the devil how much of a giant slayer you are. You think he's going to come around jacking with you anymore? Promise you he is. But here's something. Let me tell you something. When he does... Holler hallelujah and then call on the name of Jesus and see what happens to him. See how much smoother your, I'm not going to say you ain't going to fight, but here's what you need to remember. How many, you know, I talked to a brother of mine today. He told me he used to work for some Guido type people. They didn't take any snot. They didn't take any crap off anybody. See, the devil taught us how to fight back in the world. He taught us all his little tricks because we were doing his bidding. This is, this is how you make a man suffer. This is how you make his family suffer. This is how you make anybody who ever knew him suffer. So guess what? Now we're on the other side of it, and we know what the devil's going to come after. So we plead the blood of Jesus upon that family member, upon those friends, upon everything around us. And then sit out there and watch the devil have to stand across the river from us, back where we were in bondage. We get to sit and watch him back there with those chains going, Hey, don't you want these? Why would you want those? Hey, you who God blesses every day, don't you want these chains back? And some of us are idiotic enough to run and go, you know what, I'll just put them on for a minute. I'll just wear them this one time. And the old time's sake, it ain't going to hurt nothing. I got a buddy come in from out of town I went to college with. I'll go hang out at the nudie bar with him for a little while because that's what he wants to do. It'll make him happy. And I can, oh, and here's the good one. Should I go ahead and say it? Well, nobody's going to know, but I can witness to him while I'm there. Nobody ever brought anybody to Jesus while they were stuffing a dollar bill in a girl's panties. Promise you that. It ain't going to happen. Girls, that girlfriend comes in from college, and y'all want to sit around all afternoon gossiping about your friends in college and drinking wine all afternoon? Guess what? Nobody ever brought Jesus to a made of Jesus talking bad about somebody else. When you told Jesus that you would change your life, so I got there's a scripture that I remember from way back when. When is that? I haven't used it in a long time. If my people who are called by my name will repent and turn from their evil ways, I will save them and I will heal their land. Y'all want to get rid of COVID? Y'all want to get rid of the battles that are going on in the middle in the Middle East? Y'all want to get rid of all the violence and the racism and stuff that's going on in this country? Then if my people I can even put it, y'all want to hear a patriotic version? If we, the people, will repent of our sins and call on the name of God our Father, then we will truly be one nation under God, and we will be a prosperous place to live once again. But until we do that, we're subject to what the devil is running rampant through this country and all around this world. It ain't just the United States that's doing it. But I'm going to tell you where America messed up. Israel, y'all see what Israel went through in biblical times. Well, now, Israel was named God's people. Israel didn't choose God. Read the Bible. Israel had a hard time choosing God. They chose every idol. They chose every religion. They chose, but, but God. The United States, when it started, on everything we put in God we trust, and we are a nation of believers, and you can have... See, guys, freedom of religion. I'm in front of the pulpit. I'm not doing it from behind the pulpit. Freedom of religion does not mean that you can go, this chair is the mighty chair. We will worship this chair, and there is no chair like it. 
when you're going to worship another idol, that's as dumb as you sound. That's not religious freedom. Religious freedom does not mean that I can go worship a chair when I want to worship a chair. It means that there's nobody out there with the blood beating through their veins and a heart that beats for anything but God can tell me that I can't stand on a public street and praise my God the way that he called me to praise him. And if you don't think that that's not what we're called to do, you better look at about 90% of where Jesus preached. Because Jesus didn't go preach in some great big old fancy 10,000 person church. Jesus preached on the, on the lake of the, on the shore of a lake. And then when he got, when it got too crowded, he would go to the other side of the lake and still preach to those people that, that managed to make it over there. I don't think when Jesus said, this is where I'm going to start my church, he said anything about me having to have a coffee shop charging $9 a cup for coffee out front. I don't think he said that we got to have a pizza lock in once a month so the teenagers will even walk in this place. I think what Jesus said is, if you love me, you will what? Feed my sheep. We don't even have to have a building to have church, guys. Church is right here. Church is right here. JR says it. I argue with a lot of things JR says, but JR says until you change your stinking thinking, your heart will never get right because these two are not connected. They argue with each other constantly. This is flesh. This will pass away. This lives forever. This is where Jesus didn't say, I will come and live in your brain. I will give you a new brain, clean as snow. He said, I will give you a heart. I will give you a heart that beats for me. I will give you everything that your heart desires. But what your heart is supposed to desire is to worship me. God said, I will give you everything that you ever ask for, but you're supposed to ask for him to love you and for you to be able to love him. The veil's been torn. We have a one-way. Come on, guys. For the first time, I want you to realize that you have a two-way communication line straight with God. No different than the one Jesus had. If Jesus didn't say that we weren't capable of healing the sick and living a life worthy of God, then he wouldn't have said it. Because he's never said anything that the Father didn't say. And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to make take the till next Sunday. I want you to take the next seven days. And I want you to try to walk as close as what Jesus did. Every time you get upset in traffic, every time you do that, I want you to think, are these words coming from the Father? Are these thoughts coming from the Father? Are these actions coming from the Father? And there's those out there tonight that don't know what that means because they don't have that new heart that beats only for Him. So I'm going to ask you tonight to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want nobody looking around. I don't care if you want to put your hand in the air. I'm not here to count you. I'm here to put you in a place where you can be comfortable enough to get right with God. If you've got something that you need to lay on these altars, if you've got something that you need to put out there, my wife showed me something the other day. If you take what God has given you and stop hiding it in the corner, and put it out where people could get to it, they might actually use it. So I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to let God deal with you, but I'm going to put these altars out here where you can get to them. I'm going to put these things out here because this is how we fight our battles. I don't fight battles in my flesh anymore. I fight spirits, and I fight in a heavenly realm. And here's the best thing about it. You are getting an opportunity right now to learn how to fight from a heavenly position. Everybody always said, if you get in an ambush, go to the high ground. I'm telling you right now, that's what God wants is for you to take the high road. So the altars are open. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let God sit on you for a minute. From head bowed, every eye closed. How many out there want to be closer to God? How many of you out there want to be known as his servant? How many people out there when they look at you? See, here's the thing. 
I don't care when I pass away what my reputation's like. I want everybody to say, yeah, but God walked with that man. That man held the hand of God every day that he could. I want people to remember the God in me, not the flesh of me. So if you want to get closer to God, I want you to come up here to these altars right now. If if that's where it says first, you have to step out in faith. It says first that you have to make an effort. And I know there's people out there right now that are saying, man, I wish he'd shut up and get get out from behind that pulpit and let me go home. But I'm going to tell you right now, that's a lie straight out of hell. That is the devil jerking backwards on your blessings. Father God, we come to you tonight from a place of humbleness, Father, knowing that we are nowhere near worthy to do what you've called us to do, Father. Father, it is said that you don't qualify the called, you call, or you don't call the qualified, you qualify the called, Father. And I'm asking right now for everyone in this room and everyone listening and everyone watching to be qualified in your name, Father, to have the confidence that you've given others, Father, so that they can walk at the front of your army, Father. And, Father, for those out there who don't think that there's a war going on, Father, Father, I'm asking you right now to give them the courage to get in the fray, Father. Father, I'm asking right now for worn-out knees. I'm asking right now, Father, for worn-out prayer closets, Father. I'm asking for to fix the war-torn countries of this world, Father. Father, I'm asking you to heal our land, Father. Show our people what repentance truly is, Father. Father, repentance is walking away from your sin, Father. Walking away from the vomit that you've put on the altar, Father. Walking away from the chains that fell off of you, Father. Father, I'm asking that you give us all eyes to see through you, Father, and a heart that beats for only you. And it's all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, folks, y'all are dismissed. We got some folks still dealing with a few things. If you would, just give them the privacy that they need and the respect that they deserve. Thank you for joining us today. If you have prayer requests or need to contact us, please email us at bikerchurchwileytexas at gmail.com or call 214-283-0620. Please send all written correspondence to 303 Highway 78, Suite 103, Wiley, Texas, 75098. And if you wish to make a donation, please make all checks payable to PSMM. God bless you and have a great day.